You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Information Access Committee ACB webinar and conference call for those dialing in. Uh, dealing with home appliances and accessibility going into the holiday season. I'm Tony Stevens, the chair for the Information Access Committee. And with us on tonight's uh, conversation, we'll call it, for those joining in online or via traditional dial-up phone, uh, we have two wonderful guests that are able to join us. Uh, Jason Manal with the uh, AT Guys and also uh, with Access World uh, has some exciting information to share for holidays and shopping. And also Clark as well, folks that know Clark Rockville from the American Council of the Blind is Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs with ACB in Washington, D.C. For those joining, uh, just a few notes uh, and for those already on the call. Uh, first off, thanks for joining us. If you do join in on the call or you're on the call, uh, we will have a Q&A session toward the end. We're going to have our presentations up front uh, discussing uh, accessibility and home appliances and the holiday season and shopping and a lot of the great things that are going on right now out in the out in the consumer marketplace. Uh, but we ask that you save your questions till the end. We'll have a Q&A section toward the end. Uh, and this for record, so folks know, is being recorded. So watch what you say if you got any of those questions. Um, try to keep them short and to the point. We would really appreciate that. So other people as well could have the opportunity and time so it doesn't get too chaotic. Um, but this will be recorded and carried over the ACB Advocacy Update feed for folks that subscribe to that via iTunes. And you can also find it on the ACB Radio uh, through the feeds as well with ACB Radio for those that listen in via that channel. So, uh, home appliances and accessibility. Why a conversation on that now? Well, I think a lot of folks obviously know we're a few days out of the biggest blast off for the holiday shopping season. That is the Thanksgiving holiday long weekend, Black Friday. For a lot of folks, those sales start even sooner. Uh, it, is, it is an opportunity for folks to get all the new gadgets and toys and things like that for their homes. Uh, and when it comes to for those in America that are blind or visually impaired, uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunities out there that exist now. We thought it might be good to educate folks on. Uh, but there's also still a lot of challenges that exist uh, when we talk about advocacy and trying to make the world a more accessible place for roughly the 7.6 million adults who are blind and visually impaired or have difficulty seeing in this country, even with glasses. Uh, we find ourselves in an interesting time. It's definitely an interesting era. If you were to go online right now and search for accessible home appliances, for instance, you see a lot of information that's 10, 12 years old for a lot of different sources and sites. But just take a moment and imagine where the, world, where the world has gone in the past 10, 12 years. The iPhone came out 12 years ago, and there's no doubt it revolutionized the world for billions and billions of people. But more so, in a sense, I think, for people with disabilities, and particularly those with vision impairment. It has truly transformed the way we communicate, interact, and move about the world. But so much so that it even impacts the whole industries and how they have been in some sense turned upside down over the past 12 years and the way that they reach customers, approach customers, sell their products, how we can find out about products, research our products, test our products, but even for people who are blind or visually impaired, how we can access and use those products in new ways that we couldn't even have imagined 12 years ago when if we had a conversation on accessible home appliances or accessible goods in the home, it would have been, okay, does it have a physical hard switch or a button that you can turn, something that you can feel? You know, it was either accessible or inaccessible or ambigu amb ambiguous. 
uh, was kind of the measurements that Access World and other folks would have in their reviews. But in a lot of ways, those are, are very much more complex in this new world of smart devices. Go to any big box store around your neighborhood and you're going to find a lot of toys with bells and whistles on it from refrigerators to ovens to stoves to crock pots to even just check out the uh, I think ACB we're having the auction coming up soon and hands down I believe it's fair to say that the biggest items always sold are those appliances that are more for the home that have sort of the accessibility features built in and the nuances that uh, you know 10-15 years ago again we might not even have dreamed it possible. So to that end what is a little bit about the history in a sense of the accessibility and sort of this, you know, we, we mentioned just briefly about the 12 years since the iPhone, but it goes back even further. A lot of folks might find it interesting that, you know, the Americans with Disabilities Act is, is often the benchmark by which we compare all things to be accessible in this country. It was in that sense that piece of legislation in 1990, it'll be, oh my goodness, 30 years next year, uh, it, that it was that piece of legislation that took what prior to that was, you know, things funded through the federal government or state agencies had to have some level of accessibility to them, but the ADA brought accessibility to the whole wide world. Well, did it? Well, not necessarily. In public spaces, accommodations, physical buildings and stores, yes, access was improved, but for folks that know like Clark and others uh, along the way, many of whom are on this call, that have been fighting the good fight for advocacy over the decades, it has been a long battle in areas around technology, and things inside of our home. While we may be able to go into a public building or a public space and have braille where we may need it or have other reasonable accommodations in the workplace, oftentimes the most private place and the place where we spend most of our time in our home is oftentimes not as accessible. We all take O&M classes or different classes to try to get out and be independent, and we'll take our independent living classes and find ways to be independent in the home. But at the end of the day, we find ourselves working a lot of workarounds, a little tape here, a little sticky glue here, different things cut different ways or laid out different ways or in patterns. But within just the past couple of years, I think it's fair to say that that technology has dramatically changed. And it's done interestingly enough in ways that, you know, when we think of how I mentioned over the past 12 years, how industry has changed. Uh, stores like Sears, that when we talk about home appliances, that was where, I don't know, many of you when you were a child maybe, but that was where the magic of walking down aisles and aisles and aisles of appliances have, have you know, sort of rested. Where we would go to get the things for the home no longer exists like that. A couple of years ago, Sears started moving its Kenmore brand over to Amazon. And so now it's possible to get Amazon products. And for Amazon, they love that because when we talk about Alexa or other things, gadgets and technology and smart homes, which is where the technology is going, we find ourselves in a space now where the, the gadgets and the devices are all sort of becoming interconnected. There is a term called the Internet of Things, IoT. It's a very popular term in the past couple of years in Washington, D.C. and in the tech circles, where when we talk about technology and accessibility, it's how all these devices essentially are talking to each other. And in some sense, it has really opened and broken down barriers for a lot of ways for us to be accessible. Uh, we have pretty much easy to say that if I say Alexa on the phone right now, chances are good if you're listening on speakers. There are many of us on this call that are probably having our devices kick in right now and wondering if we're going to be asking it a question any second now. So to that end, you know, as, as we get started with this conversation, and we'll be having Jason share with us in just a few minutes 
uh, kind of the landscape of accessibility and home appliances. What exactly does it mean and what are the goods and et cetera? And the big trends, where have we come and then where are we going in terms of just home goods and accessibility? Uh, you know, it's important to think about where we are with this opportunity in, the, in, in terms of access. Uh, it's fair to say that the biggest challenge we had towards making accessible appliances over the decades has been the enormous cost that goes into research and development, right? It takes a lot of time in R&D for folks to refit and to try to essentially fix the airplane from 30,000 feet after it already left the runway. That's not necessarily the case anymore with, because of our smart homes. The more that these devices are becoming fixed and tuned into home networks, hubs they might be, such as Alexa, or not to be a commercial for Alexa, but if you have Apple HomeKit or Google, you'll find that these devices are more and more operated out of their software. And it's the software that has really helped us pave the way in a sense. It's the software that has allowed us to have these solutions. But at the end of the day, we know too, that with the software and with these devices also comes a price. Not all these devices are what we could say is very affordable when you consider that only 15% of working age adults who are blind or visually impaired have a college degree, uh, probably working in jobs that could afford refrigerators uh, when, and things that are in the thousands of dollars, right? Um, or for folks that are in a sense, uh, you know, tied in their limited income. However, they might try to find ways to purchase a device. You know, you might've bought your fridge 10 years ago or a washer and dryer and you're needing to buy something now and you're trying to find out what is out there. So that's why we're here today, to find out what is out there, what's available, what's accessible. And the reality is, yes, there are refrigerators. Some of the things you'll hear about are thousands of dollars and out of the range for most of us on the call. But the reality is too, there is a lot of stuff that's out there today that is extremely accessible. If you do have internet in your home, you can get an accessible microwave, for instance, on Amazon for just a little over $50 that works with Alexa and can be completely, in a sense, you know, break down those barriers um, of, of accessibility. So uh, I'm going to be quiet now on my soapbox. I'm going to step down from it. Thanks, everybody, for allowing us the opportunity to set up the call. But what would be wonderful is if we can now welcome JJ. Are you unmuted, JJ? I should be here. Can you hear me? Excellent. Uh, we certainly can. So again, thanks so much for taking time. Uh, for folks that don't subscribe or read Access World, JJ had a, a wonderful article recently on just sort of laying out some of the new appliances, not necessarily just appliances, but some of the new goods in the holiday season, but also, uh, you know, is an expert in his own way of just how do we, you know, what is accessible, but how do we get to stuff that's accessible as well? So I'm going to pass it over to you, JJ. Thanks so much for being a part of our call this evening and looking forward to it. So thanks. Uh, thank you so much for the uh, the intro and for the hosting the call tonight. Really appreciate it. Also, uh, want to say hello to uh, Aaron Priest, who's one of the editors of Access World. He's on uh, the, the call or on the computer. What do we call it now? You're right. We're not on the call anymore. We're we're on the the, the conference. But uh, uh, say hello to him and everybody else that's uh, listening now or later on on the the podcast. So, as you were talking and. Before I came on tonight, I was taking some notes about some of the things that I have used to kind of help me with holiday shopping and shopping in general. I am a bit of a uh, an online shopaholic for sure. Um, just to reinforce that point, I put in an order for some vitamins uh, during the beginning of this call on Amazon. I'm just 
do <laughs> if you look at my Amazon order history, it's a bit uh, it's a bit much, but it certainly has you know changed the way that I go about lots of shopping and able to do things from home where you might do lots of trips to the store uh, in the past. And some of that it does come down to uh, the various kitchen appliances that are out there. So let me just kind of go over a few of the tips that I have come across over time then maybe also highlight a couple products as well. I know you're going to talk some more about accessible appliances a little later on um, as well. I think for me, especially when it comes to the kitchen, it's finding that balance between the convenience of online shopping and sometimes the prices of online shopping, which are often now just as cheap or cheaper than a local store. And also knowing what you're actually getting um, when it comes to a lot of these appliances. Many things, as we know now, microwaves and toasters and air fryers and pressure cookers, these, some of these things used to be accessible. And somehow over years, as technology evolved, the accessibility diminished because things that used to be controlled with dials were replaced by touchscreens. First, it was buttons and buttons that you could label with a Dymo label or something like that, or uh, locator dots, bump dots, and you would be okay. And you could just remember where the dots were. And then this got replaced by total touchscreen control in a lot of situations. So you don't even have buttons that you can mark or feel. You have a completely flat surface in by just touching the microwave or the oven, you actually activate something, which isn't of course ideal uh, for us and really makes it a lot more difficult. That's hard to figure out sometimes by looking at an Amazon review for something or a review for online shopping site. I've made a couple trips. I don't do a lot of shopping in stores itself, but one of the things I have done a couple times now, and actually plan to do again soon, is to go down to an actual appliance store and to see what's out there with the current models. Um, nope, I don't I think our Sears is about uh, going out of business here too, and most of them are disappearing, but there are other stores that have appliances. Bed Bath & Beyond is one uh, that does carry a lot of kitchen things. Uh, microwaves, air fryers, toaster ovens, convection ovens, uh, things like that. And they have a lot of the, the major brands and everything's just sitting out uh, on shelves. You can walk up and down and just, just do a quick glance without even talking to anyone. Like, all right, these have buttons, these don't. These have dials, these don't. And once you've narrowed that part of it down, then you can maybe uh, get a little more information about, all right, what other features do I want to look for besides the fact that it happens to be something that I can touch or I can get more information about. Um, you know, some of the other uh, electronic stores also have some of these types of items. It's going to depend on the the store and the the item you're looking for. It's really weird. You mentioned refrigerators, even items like refrigerators, which I mean, a refrigerator was what a door that you would open and you would put stuff in. How could you not make that accessible? Well, now you have refrigerators with ice compartments and ice trays, and sometimes those are using touchscreen controls or flat controls to just change from ice to water. You can label these things in a lot of situations, but it makes it a lot more interesting than what you might've thought in the past. Sometimes the accessibility is simple. I went uh, down to a Sears when they were still around and I believe it was Whirlpool uh, among a couple others that had a simple solution for when you turn the dial on the washing machine or dryer, it would play a different tone for each setting. So once you memorized the tones and, and whatnot, you could figure out uh, which setting you wanted. It would be a very easy way to uh, to remember that. You could combine that with Braille or with labels or anything else uh, to do that. And some still have the old school ways of doing it, uh, again, on the, uh, the washing machine. Some of the major uh, companies will do offer Braille overlays that you can have them send to you for free if you give them the model number. Um, and you can get overlays to help you kind of label and 
realize where the buttons are on these types of appliances. Uh, when it comes to online stuff, there's some things that you can do though um, online. So take a site like Amazon, who actually does happen to have a specific phone number you can call. Um, and one of the things you can do with this number, it's really designed uh, for providing descriptions and things like that for people who are blind and visually impaired. So you can call up this phone number and say, hey, I have this product that I have up here. Can you tell me what's up with the pictures or can you describe them to me? And generally they'll do that for you. You could also apply that same logic to either uh, Be My Eyes or the free calls with Ira. I think it works better with Ira in this situation. So Ira, if you have a computer, has a uh, free software they use called TeamViewer. And you can have someone log into your computer um, and you can have them be on your screen just temporarily. You, don't, you can get, take them out when, you're, uh, when you hang up. Uh, but you can say, hey, I have this page up on Amazon or I have this page up on whatever website. Can you just tell me what you see for the far as the pictures? If you don't want to deal with TeamViewer, you could also email them a link to the page. And you can usually accomplish this for a couple pictures within the five minutes. So if you're not familiar with uh, the IRA free call offer, uh, IRA being the uh, service that you can call to get a free uh, remote visual assistance now has a service where you can get calls up to five minutes for free. And that's as many calls as you want. It's not limited to one call a day. You can keep calling them back um, throughout the day to get descriptions of products. So that's, I found is one of the better uses of the free uh, five minute calls. I, uh, as far as online shopping and some of the things that I've done to kind of make it work for me, uh, I am an Amazon Prime member. I do recommend if you do a fair amount of online shopping to definitely consider that. It's about $120 a year. Um, there are discounts for students and uh, a couple other ways to get discounts. And you can also share it with uh, your spouse or partner if you'd like. Um, but it gives you pretty much free one or two day shipping on most items on Amazon. It's very well worth it. Um, I would still shop around a little bit as far as price because not everything is cheapest on Amazon. No one store has the cheapest price on everything. Um, so I would definitely shop around a little bit. But for a lot of household products, it can be a really big time saver instead of having to uh, to go to the store if you just have your your toilet paper delivered to you every month or or vitamins like I just did, or, um, you know, just all sorts of other electronic stuff. I'm always ordering something from, from Amazon. There are some other stores that do that too. So if you have, if it's a store that you shop at often, see if they have some sort of frequent shopper uh, discount program where you can have, um, you can save on shipping or maybe get free shipping and have items delivered within a day or two. I'm also a member of Shipt, S-H-I-P-T. That is one of the two big, uh, uh, grocery and other household item delivery services, Instacart being the other. I like Shipt a little more because they are now owned by Target and Target has all sorts of things that are not groceries. So not only can I get my groceries delivered through Shipt uh, with Target or Meyer here in the Midwest, I can have them bring lots of other stuff. You know, whether I wanted a, uh, say I wanted a, a Google Home or an iPod or a TV or any number of other things, kitchen appliances, all that stuff is at Target. So I can have a shopper go over there, pick up the stuff and bring it to me within an hour or two. A couple of things on Shipt. So Target owns Shipt. So the prices uh, from Target are not marked up. Prices from other stores. So like if you have, like we have Meyer here in the Midwest or PetSmart is on Shipt. Um, there are grocery stores, Vons um, out West or HEB in Houston. Those prices are marked up 10 to 15%. 
So just take that into account. I think it's worth it to, for the time and money that I save, but that's certainly a calculation to uh, consider versus uh, getting someone to drive you there or taking an Uber or Lyft or, or whatever you want to do. So, um, it, you know, it just depends on what you want to do, but it's nice to have all these options and, and ways to have things brought uh, to you quickly. Um, when it comes to shopping and apps and websites, you know, a lot of websites are getting better as far as accessibility. Not everything is perfect yet, which is, you know, it's sad that we still have to say that, but there are certainly some websites that are better than others as far as accessibility. Um, if I really am set, I'm ordering from a certain store and their website isn't that great, I might go and see if their app is better because sometimes the mobile apps are designed by a different person or just better than the website. Um, actually, I have an iPhone and an Android phone. So if it doesn't work on one, if I'm really desperate, I might try it on the other. Now, mind you, I might just go to a different store because this one isn't working for me. It's not accessible. They don't get my business. And that's a choice you can make too. Maybe it's not worth getting that big deal if um, the store itself is not very accessible. As it comes up to the holidays, I remember shipping deadlines. Um, again, if you have prime shipping or things like that from Amazon, or you can get things delivered, you have up until a couple of days before Christmas. But Christmas is on a Wednesday this year. So if you're shopping for Christmas, you have that weekend before that's going to delay things. So don't think if you order stuff from the previous Friday, you only have two shipping days beyond that, Monday and Tuesday. No so so no you're kind of uh, stuck yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. I think someone needs to, we have a, uh, someone's trying to get muted there. I'm sure they'll figure it out. Um, but just remember that as far as shipping, you know, allowing a couple extra days can be very useful as far as the, uh, the holidays and Christmas. And just a quick reminder if, if for folks on, on right now, if you're unmuted, uh, or it would be great um, to have uh, less distractions. So thanks, everybody. That's Alt-A on the uh, computer or star six on the phone. Um, and again, that's Alt-A. There you go. Go ahead, JJ. Awesome. Thanks. No problem. Um, so just a few other things to to cover as, yeah, I mean, as far as, like I said, as far as shipping, you know, doing it about a week ahead of time or more, it's just, it's safe. I don't always listen to myself. It's okay. <laughs> These things happen, but you know, you take, you run the risk of, even if it says guaranteed delivery by December 24th. Well, I mean, this takes one little thing or a snowstorm or something to happen to get in the way of that. So there's been lots of sales for Black Friday and Cyber Monday and beyond, and there still will be. Um, one of the things I want to point out as far as sales, and especially when it comes to accessibility, is figuring out why something is on sale. This especially comes up for things like televisions or other media devices. So in the past few months, there is a new version of the Google Home Mini, the Nest Mini. So that's now a new generation product. There are newer versions of televisions that come out every year. There's newer versions of Fire TV and Roku and all these other different devices. So sometimes the new version is on sale, but sometimes stores will put the old version on sale because they have a whole bunch left over and they want to get rid of it. The reason that becomes important for us is those older versions are going to either have, in many cases, less accessibility or they will get updates for a less amount of time in the new stuff. So the Roku that you buy that might be last year's Roku might be giving you the same amount of accessibility now, but it might stop getting updates sooner. 
this especially is true with TVs as the uh, requirements and as companies are still kind of learning how to figure out how to do accessible televisions. I think it's taking them a while, but there you go. It's taking them a minute to figure this out. So a lot of times TVs that go on sale are from 2017, 2018, and they might have a little less accessibility than the 2019 model. So just remember that, if, especially if you can track down a larger purchase item, figure out when that item was released when it was first available. A lot of times you can Google that or you can find a news story and that might lead you to figure out, is this really a good deal? Um, or is this something that I should maybe just hold off on? Um, i got a couple more minutes here. Let me just talk about a couple of really uh, cool products that I've found uh, mentioned in the, uh, the holiday shopping guide. One I ended up buying uh, is this little um, talking thermometer. Let's see if I can get it to come on here. 77.9 degrees Fahrenheit. So, you know, we used to pay $50 for these things or more, have the smart ones. That's 15 bucks on Amazon. And it's pretty accurate for what it is. I've been using it a few times now. It has the prong that folds out and you can just fold it back in. If you search for talking kitchen thermometer, I see it's under a few different brands, but it will come um, right away. Um, and of course the smart speakers, um, plenty, plenty of articles out about those, but those are still, they, you know, 30, 40, 50 bucks for a Google uh, Nest Mini or an Echo Dot are the cheapest ways into that. Lots of cool stuff there. As far as the uh, TV and entertainment area, um, I'm liking as far as the choices, none of them are perfect, but the Fire TV 6 from Amazon have a pretty decent amount of accessibility and a lot of the apps do work on them. Like I said, nothing is perfect there, but that's certainly uh, one to, to look at. If you go in the uh, November issue of Access World, so that's afb.org slash aw, we have the holiday gift guide uh, that I wrote along with a few other articles of a lot of interest to holiday shoppers. And we talk about lots more products that you can buy there and you can get a lot more uh, information on that. Um, one note you mentioned, uh, next reminded me of this, the Alexa microwave, which is not a bad microwave, um, but it re reminds me as far as smart products, one to thing to look at, some things are worked really well as smart products. Some things raise the price quite a bit. So while I make the, uh, when I decide whether I want to buy something, whether one of the things that I look at is yes, can I control it with an, a, a, a voice assistant? They're useful, but you also want to look at the other things. For instance, the Alexa microwave is a 700 watt microwave. So it's good for reheating things up and good for, you know, maybe for very small personal use but that is a little less than a lot of other microwaves in the same price range. And the same token, I'm not seeing the greatest of reviews on the $250 Alexa convection oven air fryer uh, multi-cooker thing. You, you can get a, a dial air fryer for 50 or 60 bucks. So look at these smart things and see, is it really worth paying the extra money for that smart control and being able to talk to something? Or is it really just easier to press a button and get, the, uh, get it done? So just a thought that I had on the... Uh, the smart stuff. There's a lot more things that we could talk about, um, but um, there's other people that are going to speak. We're definitely have a huge Q&A section after this as well. So happy to answer any questions at the end. And again, um, thank you so much to uh, Lee and Aaron at Access World and uh, Clark for inviting me on here. Uh, Access World is a great resource for keeping up on the latest in technology. Um, I'm one of several writers for that magazine and it's a really, great uh, way to keep up on the latest with appliances and many other things as well. Again, that's afb.org slash 
AW. And I encourage you to subscribe. You can get an email when the new issue comes out every month. And the December one is just coming out as I speak. So thank you. Thanks so much, JJ. And, and hopefully you'll be able to stay on because uh, I'm sure we're probably going to have some questions. Yep. But then as well, you know, after we'll hear from Clark in just a minute because uh, he had an exciting adventure uh, with a couple other folks from ACB's national office as sort of secret shoppers uh, to kind of search out the accessibility and what really is accessible on more of the high end, uh, those home appliances you were talking about. You, you made a real interesting point toward the end, and, and I want to come back to this because I know I think Clark, uh, you know, you'll, you'll probably touch on this as well, but how easy it is for us to, to jump on board with all the um, new bells and whistles devices that maybe come out. And, and I, I like two things you really spoke about. One, a reminder that oftentimes it's those sales, uh, you know, this is coming out obviously after the Black Thursday sort of or Black Friday blast for sales for the holidays is that those are the older items and they're not always up to speed per se with their interfaces or things like that towards accessibility. But then two, you had mentioned as well that, you know, sometimes there's still the things out there with the old switches and, and just good old fashioned, what really is accessible for everybody, right? Um, in a sense of, of you know, just a, just a nice button. It's nice to hit sometimes. One button is all you need sometimes to make things Definitely. really good. So, uh, so thanks for bringing those two points up. I have a feeling we'll probably chat about that toward the end. Uh, Clark, I'm going to pass it over to you now uh, and share with us a little bit about, uh, you know, sort of the adventure you all went on uh, in the ACB National Office and, and, and dive into uh, as well some of the other sort of interesting things is, is definitely uh, what you find on a showroom floor uh, loves to show off its bells and whistles. And, and how do they stack up for someone who's a blind or visually impaired shopper? Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Tony. And thank you, JJ, for joining us tonight. Um, so as Tony mentioned, the ACB National Office took a little field trip recently. Uh, you know, if you if you read and visit the Access World website, they'll recommend when you go in-store shopping, you know, maybe call ahead and let them know that you'll want to try some appliances, have them plugged in, ready to go so you can get the full experience. Well, we didn't do any of that. We wanted the, the full unvarnished treatment. Uh, so Claire Stanley, our advocacy and outreach specialist, Kelly Gask, our uh, social media guru and I went on down the road here in Alexandria and visited a Best Buy. And we went in there whenever one of their very friendly and helpful um, employees asked us what we were doing. We're just like, we're appliance shopping. What do you have? What can you show us? And of course they wanted to show off the smart appliances. Um, now, as soon as you throw that word smart in, you get a lot of features, but you also get a lot in the price tag. Um, but what some of those thousands of dollars got you were internet connected devices, um, some of which had multimedia capabilities. And something we'll touch on later, but if you're going to be able to play video, or send a tweet from your refrigerator. Um, for those of you who saw the, the news article back in September or so, hashtag free Dorothy. Um, it needs to have an accessible user interface. Um, so one of the refrigerators that we saw from Samsung Electronics basically had a flat screen TV um, built in. And along with the internet access and the ability to send messages and play YouTube videos is the fully baked, uh, text-to-speech engine that is included in 
other Samsung products. And that was just really fascinating that that, that technology is available in a refrigerator, but then also the things you can do with it. Um, manipulate the settings of the refrigerator as well as add stuff to your um, shopping list to order directly from Amazon or Grubhub, um, Uber Eats, something like that. Um, but then also a lot of appliances are starting to add voice control as well. So maybe you don't want to scroll through the menus, but you still want to manipulate the features and functions of your of your appliance. Um, you can talk to, as Jeff Bishop calls her, the A-Lady, just so you don't activate any devices. Um, those features exist as well. And a lot of times when we think of out-of-the-box accessibility when it comes to um, internet-enabled or home appliances, you know, medical equipment, exercise equipment, for example, um, we have a pretty, I say for the longest time we've had a, an idea of a solution and that solution has been, for example, like a talking microwave or a talking thermostat where the user presses a button and the device speaks the function of that button or what you just did. Um, but as we all know with the ADA, it's not always the, um, the remedy that we would prefer, but it's the, a reason, the reasonable accommodation that fits the end user's needs. So what that's looking like now with new technology is things that Tony and JJ touched on. It's that, um, that accessible user interface on a device via a touch screen. It could be control through an application of an internet connected device. And it can also be voice control, um, whether that's Amazon, Google, Apple, or, or some other product. Uh, this wasn't only the case in you know, kitchen appliances, um, but also you know, we went over to the, the TV section. And again, just found a sales associate and struck up a conversation with them. They started showing us a whole bunch of TVs, you know, the, those kinds of TVs that, um, that I certainly won't be buying anytime soon, but um, plenty of people do and love. And we just asked the guy, you know, is there, what kind of accessibility features are there? Is there a text-to-speech um, menu navigation? And they were very willing to help. They said, you know, I don't know, but let's find out. Picked up the remote, scrolled through, and whammo. Uh, a lot of TVs now, and every TV should, have an accessible user interface. Not only do we notice these exciting trends in smart appliances, um, but as JJ mentioned, in the you know, traditional appliances, I don't want to call them dumb appliances because they're still way smarter than I am, um, but back in the day, things were buttons or knobs. And then it was almost like industry wanted to show just what they could do everything went to touchscreen or a flat interface, you know, just because they could. And they wanted to see how many features they could cram in and just have it with a capacitive touch or a flat screen interface. Well, now it seems like the, the trend is kind of dialed back from that. So while we were at Best Buy, we noticed that a lot of appliances now have mechanical buttons and mechanical knobs again. 
And we were asking the sales associates, um, you know, they're not experts in the way of, you know, appliance marketing, but they said that they've just noticed that uh, stuff like that is cyclical. Um, it, it changes with product lines over time. And when we had a meeting with LG Electronics, they said the same thing. You know, it's some, some years and some models will have flat screen touch screens and others come back to buttons and knobs. So we're certainly in favor of the buttons and knobs and we make sure to tell, tell folks that uh, when we have their ear and when they'll listen. Uh, but it's always reassuring when you have not just a knob, but a knob that is indexed and gives some haptic feedback or a knob that has a, a raised indicator line to let you know uh, what direction the, the round knob is pointing. Um, so that, that was very interesting as well. Uh, back to the smart appliances. Uh, one of the reasons we have noticed the inclusion of these, especially the accessible user interfaces for video capable and two-way communications, advanced communication services devices. A lot of people don't think a refrigerator can be an advanced communication service, um, but as soon as you can send a tweet, check your email, it falls under the FCC's rules for advanced communication services. As soon as you can play a video, whether it's a TV or a refrigerator or a smart speaker, it falls under the FCC's rules for accessible video interfaces. And those rules stem from the advocacy work of ACB and Eric Bridges you know, 10 years ago alongside of the American Foundation for the Blind. And those stem from the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act. Um, so yes, it's been 10 years, but it's getting to a point where these products and these features are ubiquitous in the marketplace. And that's, that's really exciting to see. And before I kick it back to Tony here, um, I'll also say that in the space of application interfaces, so you could still have an appliance that has a flat touchscreen display, but a lot of times it's becoming easier and easier to connect that appliance or that piece of smart home tech to a smartphone application. And like JJ said, sometimes the apps are made by different folks. Sometimes the apps are a lot cleaner in interface because they're designed to work with the, you know, the Apple or the iOS operating system, which has voiceover built right in, uh, similar properties on the, the Android operating system. So it can be a much smoother interface. And you can control a lot of features of smart appliances or smart home tech. Um, and if you're not able to control them, you can at least see status updates. So going forward, what, what are we doing in the space of advocacy here? Well, there's a, a few um, exciting pieces of legislation out there. One is HR 1199, and that's the VA Website Accessibility Act. Um, and some folks may think, well, that only deals with uh, websites and apps and kiosks at the Department of Veterans Affairs. Well, true, but the CVAA only covered things under the purview of the FCC. You know, who thought that that would trickle down to home appliances? So if the 
Department of Veterans Affairs is able to push and move the market towards being more accessible and having accessibility um, included from day one. Uh, we are all for that because we think that that will then have products trickling down to other parts of the market as well. Uh, there's another bill in Congress, the, uh, the short title is the GAIN Act, and that would call for the US Access Board uh, to create universal accessibility standards uh, for fitness equipment, home appliances, and medical devices. There's another bill, the Exercise and Fitness for All Act, uh, which again would require the Access Board to create standards for exercise and fitness equipment. Um, and of course, there's the work that ACB is doing uh, legislatively with regulatory agencies and working directly with companies to make sure that when they roll out products and services, whether that's um, kiosks, websites, um, dashboards, and things of that nature, that accessibility is included from square one. So it's an exciting time. Uh, there's certainly still a lot more work to be done, but we are seeing a lot of progress in this space. Clark, thanks so much. And thanks for sharing that and, and for the team and, and the national office for ACB uh, for sort of going out on, on that sort of sojourn to find out what, you know, what accessibility really lies out there. Cause it definitely sounds like you uncovered a lot more than just an accessible appliance on the floor. But the whole conversation that you shared about how the CVAA and how, you know, a, a, an accessible cable box, essentially, where the mobile phones had to be made accessible uh, with their operating systems, uh, has really helped us get ahead of the curve. So oftentimes with inaccessibility, we find ourselves sort of trying to catch up and trying to, to you know, chase behind. And it's always harder to fix something once it's left the station, so to speak. Um, but this is an exciting time because the CVA coming, in a sense, before the birth of all this smart, you know, internet of things revolution, um, it's really opened up a lot of opportunities. Uh, we're gonna be opening it up for questions in just, just a moment. Um, a, a question for both you and JJ though, in a sense, uh, if, if you all don't mind, uh, as, as I have the floor here, as we get queued up uh, for folks to start thinking about your questions, uh, and we will be unmuting shortly um, and try to, to work through as, as organized as we can in accepting, you know, and having people ask their questions. Uh, but in a sense for, for now, for JJ and Clark, uh, you know, I, I think about the, the first, I mentioned the Kenmore uh, device, the, the first washing machine, I will note here that Sears put out in 1927 by Kenmore. Uh, not a lot of technology has changed much in washing machines. It's a belt, it's a motor, it's a drum that spins around really fast sometimes and really slow and other times. Um, I think of the first uh, CD player my father got in 1984 for Christmas, it was $1,500. It was a JVC CD player in 1984 for $1,500. Uh, I looked on Amazon just before this call, and I can now buy one for $19 on Amazon. Uh, while it not be a JVC, it still does the same thing. Uh, you know, the, the devices, when they came out, if it was a, a, a washing machine in 1927 or a CD player, in 1984, uh, one of the great things about technology is how it drops prices. It reaches what's called economy of scale, and they start selling millions and millions of them. So these $3,000 fridges now, 
uh, in a couple of years from now are going to be much more affordable. Think about how much a 60-inch television costs now and how much it costs just 10 years ago. And compare those prices, and it's probably at about 10% of probably what you would have spent 10 years ago for that product. Um, in terms of blindness, bringing it back to the world of blindness and visual impairment, we know things like diabetes is now one of the leading causes of blindness in the country. So much of, of our conditions, particularly for the majority of our population that are older age adults that have other health problems, is managing your life. And oftentimes, smart devices can make us feel dumb. There's no question about that. But two, uh, once we sort of get over that, that fear or that anxiety and jump right in uh, to if it's Alexa or Apple or Google, uh, there's huge potential. Uh, you mentioned Samsung, LG as well has what's called the InstaView on their refrigerators. Now, this is fun for sighted people where they can hit their tele, hit basically their door, their fridge twice, tap it, and it, suddenly they can see everything inside. Now, we're not necessarily at a point where we have a type of accessibility that will describe that to us. We do have Ira, as you mentioned, and we have, you know, Be My, Be My Eyes, and other ways that we can use our smartphones and other devices or see an AI app or or cam and other devices to kind of read text. But what's interesting is not just the visual on the outside, but the skin underneath. And that fridge can also do things like, it can tell you if your device, if, and these are, now these devices are working in tandem with these smart homes, these smart hubs. But is your food expired? Apparently 37% I found out uh, tonight of Americans have food in their fridge that's two months overdue. That's well over expiration date. So these are oftentimes things we find challenging. But just in managing your own diet as well, it keeps track of what you're eating, which makes me a little bit nervous. But nevertheless, if I had, you know, needing to watch my diet uh, and needing to really sort of or even count calories, which probably is something I should do, uh, you know, it, it, it becomes a tool for us. And I believe there's enormous potential, I think, in a lot of these devices. And as these initial launches into these smart hubs of like the Institute fridge or the Samsung, you know, with these all the things they can do in addition to just, you know, make it hot or cold in your fridge or on your oven or your, your washing machine, you know, how much more can it impact our life in a positive way so that it allows us to manage our lives as well? Um, so, uh, you know, folks encourage uh, to find out what's out there, go to, you know, websites like Amazon. And, and what I also encourage folks to do is leave, leave accessible reviews. If you have any of these devices, I encourage everybody here, to go on to Amazon, go on to Best Buy, go on to wherever it is you bought that product, perhaps, and leave a device and talk specifically about the accessibility. Because we just as much need to crowdsource these type things as well for those of us that are trying to research and find things out um, on these devices as well, where we could search in and, and try to find out you know, comments and reviews that are specific to that. Um, so we also have a, a way to be empowered ourselves as advocates and to go in and leave reviews on experiences we have that are positive and check in. So, to that end, let's open it up to questions.